Days 9 through 11 of Think Well on It by Bishop Richard Chaloner. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Ninth Day On the Particular Judgment After Death Consider first that the soul is no sooner parted from the body, but she is immediately presented before the judge, in order to give an account of her whole life, of all that she has thought, said, or done during her abode in the body, and to receive sentence accordingly. For that the eternal doom of every soul is decided by a particular judgment, immediately after death we learn from the gospel in the example of Dives and Lazarus. And the sentence that is passed here will be ratified in the general judgment at the last day. Christians, how stand your accounts with God? What could you be able to say for yourselves if this night you should be cited to the bar? It may be perhaps your case. Remember that your Lord will come when you least expect him. Take care, then, to be always ready. Consider, secondly, how exact, how rigorous this judgment will be, when even the least idle word cannot escape the scrutiny of the judge. Oh, what treasures of iniquity will here come to light, when the veil shall be removed, which hides at present the greatest part of our sins from the eyes of the world, and even from our own, when the whole history of our lives shall at once be exposed to our view. Good God, who can be able to bear this dreadful sight? Here shall the poor soul be brought to a most exact account of all that she has done, or left undone, during the whole time of her pilgrimage in this mortal body. How she has corresponded with the divine inspirations! What use she has made of God's graces! What profit she has reaped from the sacraments she has received! From the word of God which she has heard or read! What advantage she has made of those favorable circumstances in which God Almighty has placed her! How she has employed the talents with which he has entrusted her! Even her best works shall be nicely sifted, her prayers, her fasts, her alms deeds, the intention with which she has undertaken them, the manner in which she has performed them, not in the deceitful balance of the judgment of men, but in the scales of the sanctuary. Ah, how many of her actions then will be found to want weight, according to that of Daniel 5. Thou hast been weighed in the balance, and art found to be of too little weight. Enter not into judgment with thy servant, O Lord, for no man living shall be justified in thy sight. Psalm 142 Consider thirdly the qualities of the judge before whom we must appear. He is infinitely wise, and therefore cannot be deceived. He is infinitely powerful, and therefore cannot be resisted. He is infinitely just, and therefore will render to everyone according to his works. No favor is to be expected at this day. The time of merits and of acceptable repentance is now at an end. Ah, Christians, think well on it now whilst it is your day. You may now wash away your sins by perpetual tears, and thus hide them from the eyes of your future judge. You may at present tie up his hands by humble prayer, you may appeal from his justice to the court of his mercy and cause him to cancel the sentence that stands against you. But at that day you will find him inexorable. 
your prayers and tears will then come too late consider fourthly the inestimable comfort that the souls of the just shall receive at this day from the company of their good works which like an invincible rampart shall surround them on all sides and keep their hellish foes at a distance o my soul let us take care to provide ourselves with such attendants as these against that hour which is to decide our eternal doom these are friends indeed who will not forsake us even in death but effectually plead our cause at that bar where no other eloquence will be regarded consider fifthly in what a wretched plight the sinner who has taken no care to lay up any such provision of good works shall now stand before his judge oh how all things now speak to him the melancholy sentence that is just now going to fall upon his guilty head whatever way he looks he sees nothing that can give him any comfort but on the contrary all things that contribute to his greater anguish and terror beneath his feet he sees hell open ready to swallow him up above his head an angry judge prepared to thunder out against him the irrecoverable sentence of eternal damnation on his right hand he sees his guardian angel now abandoning him on his left the devils his merciless enemies just ready to seize upon him and only waiting for the beck of the judge if he look behind he discovers a cheating world which now retires from him if he look before he meets with nothing but a dismal eternity within he feels the intolerable stings of a guilty conscience and on all sides he perceives an army of those hideous monsters his own sins more terrible to him now than the furies of hell good god deliver me from ever having any share in such a scene of misery consider sickly that in order to prevent the judgment of god from falling heavy upon us after death we must take care to judge and chastise ourselves by doing serious penance in this life for thus and thus only shall we disarm the justice of god enkindled by our sins let us follow the advice of him who is to be our judge who calls upon us to watch and pray at all times so that we may be found worthy to escape these dreadful dangers and to stand with confidence before the son of man luke twenty one thirty six ah let this judgment be always before our eyes let us meditate on this account that we are one day to give let us never forget that there is an eye above that sees all things that there is an ear which hears all things that there is a hand that writeth down all our thoughts words and deeds in the great accounting book and that all our actions pass from our hands to the hands of god that which is done in time passeth not away with time but shall subsist after all time is past oh that men would be wise and would understand these truths and provide in earnest for their last end deuteronomy thirty two tenth day on the great accounting day consider first that nothing can be conceived more terrible than the prospect which scripture gives us of the last accounting day with all the prodigies that shall go before it the sun darkened the moon red as blood the stars without light and seeming to fall from the firmament the earth shaken with violent earthquakes the sea swelling and roaring with unusual tempests the elements all in confusion and whole nature in disorder 
The day of the Lord, says the prophet, Joel chapter 2, is a day of darkness and obscurity, a day of clouds and whirlwinds, before its face devouring fire, and behind it burning flames. The earth shall tremble at the appearance of it, and the heavens be moved at its sight. The sun and moon are darkened, and the stars have withdrawn all their light. And the prophet Sophonius, chapter 1, cries out, that day, a day of wrath, a day of tribulation and anguish, a day of calamity and misery, a day of darkness and obscurity, a day of mists and whirlwinds. Can anything be more frightful than these descriptions? Ah, what will then be the thoughts of sinful man, who sees himself threatened by all these signs? Alas, he shall perfectly wither away with fear, in expectation of that tragedy which must follow these dreadful preludes. Consider, secondly, that the last day, being come, a fire raging like an impetuous torrent, shall, by the command of God, consume the whole surface of the earth, and all that is thereon. Nothing shall escape it. Where, O worldlings, will then be all your stately palaces, pleasant seats, gardens, fountains, and grottoes? Where your gold, silver, and precious stones, etc.? Alas, all that you set your heart on in this world shall in a moment be reduced to ashes, to show you the vanity of the things you loved, and your own folly in placing your affections upon such glittering shadows, upon such painted bubbles. Learn then, my soul, to despise this world with all its goods, since all must end in smoke and ashes, and lay up to thyself treasures in heaven, which alone will be out of the reach of this last fire. Consider thirdly that the final end of this world being now come, the archangel shall sound the last trumpet and raise his voice with a surgite mortui, etc. Arise ye dead and come to judgment, a voice that shall at once be heard over the whole universe, that shall pierce the highest heavens and penetrate down to the lowest abyss of hell. At this voice, in an instant, by the almighty power of God, all the children of Adam, from the first to the last, shall arise from the dust, and each soul shall be united again to its respective body, never more to be separated for eternity. O my soul, let this last trumpet always echo in thy ears. O, oh, take care to prevent the terrors of this summons, by hearkening now to another summons of the great trumpet of the Holy Ghost, who calls upon thee by the mouth of the Apostle, Arise thou that sleepeth, and rise from the dead, that is, from the death of sin, and Christ shall enlighten thee. Ephesians 5. It is by thus, having part in the first resurrection, thou shalt provide in time against that dreadful hour, when time shall be no more. Apocalypse 10. It is thus thou shalt escape the second death. Consider fourthly the wonderful difference there will be at the time of this general resurrection between the bodies of the just and the wicked. The just shall arise in immortal and impassable bodies, more pure and beautiful than the stars, and more resplendent than the sun. But the wicked shall arise in bodies suitable to their deserts, foul, black, hideous, and in every other respect loathsome and insupportable. Immortal, it is true, but to no other purpose than to endure immortal torments, Oh, what an inexpressible rack will it be to those wretched souls to be reunited to such carcasses, to be condemned to internal confinement 
in such horrid and filthy abodes. Ah, my soul, take thou care to keep thy body now pure from the corruption of carnal sins, lest otherwise it become hereafter an aggravation of thy eternal misery. Consider fifthly, with how much joy and satisfaction the souls of the just shall be again united to their bodies, an union which they have so long desired. With what affection will they embrace those fellow partners in all their labors, sufferings, and mortifications, and now designed to give an addition to their eternal happiness by sharing in the glory of the heavenly Zion. But, oh, what dreadful curses shall pass at the melancholy meeting of the souls and bodies of the retrobate, a cursed carcass, will the soul say, was it to please and indulge thy brutish inclinations, that I have forfeited the immortal joys of heaven? Ah, wretch, to indulge thee in a filthy pleasure for a moment, I have damned both myself and thee to all eternity. O oh, thrice accursed Carian, it is just, it is just, that thou, who hast been the cause of my damnation, should be my partner in eternal woe. But oughtest thou not rather, unhappy soul, to be a thousand times more accursed by the body, since it was thy business, and in thy power, to have subjected its passions and lusts to the rule of reason and religion. But thou didst rather choose, for the sake of a momentary satisfaction, to enslave thyself to the sensual inclinations, and so to purchase hell both for it and thyself. Ah, Christians, let us learn to be wise by the consideration of the misfortune of others. Eleventh day, on the general judgment. Consider first, that immediately after the resurrection of the dead, all mankind shall be assembled, together in the place designed for the last judgment, commonly believed to be the valley of Jehoshaphat, near Jerusalem, in sight of the Mount Olivets and Calvary, where our Lord herefore shed his blood for our redemption. Oh, what a sight it will be to behold all the children of Adam, that innumerable multitude of all nations, ages, and degrees, standing together without any distinction, as now between rich and poor, great or little, master or servant, monarch or subject, expecting only the distinction of good and bad, which shall be wonderful and eternal. Alas, how mean a figure will an Alexander, a Caesar, or any of those great heroes of antiquity, whose very name has made whole nations tremble, then make. Those mighty monarchs, who once had the world at their beck, are now on a level with the meanest of their slaves, and would wish a thousand times never to have borne the scepter, nor worn the diadem. Consider, secondly, that the dead being assembled together, the great judge shall descend from heaven with great glory and majesty, environed by his heavenly courtiers, and the whole legions of angels. Oh, how different from his first coming! will his second appearance be. His first coming was in great meekness and humility, because that was our day, in which he came to redeem us by his mercy. But at his second coming it will be his day, when he shall arm himself with all the terrors of his justice, to revenge upon sinful man the cause of his injured mercy, with a final irrevocable vengeance. Miserable sinners, how will you be able to stand before his face, or endure his wrathful countenance? Ah, then it is you will begin to cry out to the mountains and rocks to fall upon you, and hide you from the wrath of the Lamb, 
from the face of him that sitteth on the throne. Nay, such a dread and horror will the very sight of the incest judge carry with it, that you will even wish a thousand times to hide your guilty hands in the lowest abyss of hell, rather than endure this dreadful appearance. But all in vain you must endure it. Consider thirdly, that before the judge shall be born the royal standard of the cross, shining more bright than the sun, to the great comfort of the good, and the unspeakable anguish and confusion of the wicked, for having made so little use of the inestimable benefit of their redemption, here they shall see plainly how much their God has suffered for their salvation, how great has been his love for them, that boundless and unparalleled love, which brought him down from his throne of glory, and nailed him to the cross. Oh, how will they now condemn their obstinacy and sin, their blindness and ingratitude? Oh, how will this glorious ensign justify in the face of the whole universe the conduct of God and the eternity of hell's torments? For what less than a miserable eternity can be a sufficient punishment for so much obstinacy and evil after such love? Consider fourthly how at the command of the sovereign judge, which shall be instantly obeyed, the servants of God shall be selected from out of the midst of that vast multitude, and placed with honor on his right hand, whilst the wicked and those evil spirits whose parts they have taken shall be driven with ignominy to the left. O dreadful and eternal separation, after which these two companies shall never any more meet. And now, my soul, where dost thou expect to stand at that day? In which of these two companies shalt thou be ranked? Thou hast it now at thy opinion. Choose then now that better part, which will never be taken from thee. Fly now from the midst of Babylon. Renounce now the false maxims, corrupt customs, and sinful pleasures of worldlings. Separate thyself from the wicked in time, that thou mayest not be involved in their eternal damnation. Consider fifthly, what will then be the thoughts of the great ones of this world? What fury, envy, bitter anguish, and confusion will then oppress their souls, when they shall see the poor in spirit, the meek and humble, who were so contemptible in their eyes whilst they were here in this mortal life, now honored and exalted in the sight of the universe, and themselves treated with such contempt? Hearken to their complaints as foretold by the wise man. Wisdom 5. These are they whom heretofore we laughed at, and whom we made the subjects of our scoffs. Senseless wretches as we were, we esteemed their life madness, and their end without honor. See how they are now reckoned among the children of God, and with the saints is their eternal lot. Alas, after all, it is ourselves are the persons that have been mistaken. It is we that have unfortunately run on in the wrong way, and they are truly wise in making a better choice, which afforded them comfort in life, and has now entitled them to endless joys. Consider sickly how much the anguish and confusion of the wicked will be increased at the opening of the books of conscience, when the guilt of their whole lives shall be laid open to the public view of the universe. Ah, poor sinner, what will thy thoughts be when those crimes which thou hast committest in the greatest secrecy, which thou wouldest not have had known for the world, those admonitions which thou imaginest covered with the obscurity of night and darkness, and which 
thou didst flatter thyself thy friends and acquaintances would never know those works of iniquity which perhaps thou couldst not find in thy heart to discover to one person tied by all laws to a perpetual secrecy shall all now be exposed in their true colors to the eyes of the whole world angels and men good and bad to thy eternal shame ah christians it is now in your power to prevent by a sincere repentance and confession this confusion which you must otherwise one day suffer ends of days nine through eleven